0: Well, we're talking about God's great fix, and tonight specifically how to access and tap into and uh, activate God's grace uh, in your life in, in greater measure. But If you remember, um, the Bible tells us that all have sinned, can I see your hands if you're part of that group that had sinned at one point in time? <laughs> Say, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we know from Romans that uh, the wages of sin is <coughs> death. But the free gift of God eternal life. is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad for that? So at one point in time, just as the, the uh, you know, Apostle Paul had said, you've gone from darkness to light, from death to life. You've gone from hell to what? Heaven. Heaven. To heaven. Aren't you glad you're part of that group? Yes, <laughs> So what we know about sin, and if you thought COVID was spreadable, sin is the most spreadable disease ever That's right. in the history of mankind. Everything that it touches, it damaged, it, it breaks. But the good news is, and it's true that it does, and it's not just, you know, uh, the spiritual content of man and his destiny. It's also what happens to you in this life. It's not just what happens for all eternity. Sin breaks things that are natural. Sin breaks physical health. Sin breaks financial standing. Sin breaks relationships. Sin breaks marriages. And even if you're born again, if sin continues, it will continue to do what it does. Now the Bible tells us that where sin abounds, grace. Grace abounds. so which one's more powerful? Grace. grace. Raise your hand if you believe grace is more powerful than sin. Yes. It is. Where sin abounds, grace doth abound even more. It fixes everything. And to abound means to continuously increase and excel all around. So sin is abounding, but grace will always be in front of it. Grace will always be more powerful than it. And grace for those that will accept it and receive it, of course, by faith, will see that it's the great fix for what is broken. In 1 Peter 2.11, the Bible tells us to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Uh, one thing about war as you'll find out that when war breaks out, things are destroyed. Yeah. People are killed. Buildings are destroyed. Lives and families are wrecked. People are separated forever because of what happens. In other words, it's a destructive force on your life. A lot of Christians don't think about this. And some people even teach this erroneously that the Christian has no need to confess and repent. Well, that's not, it's clear from scripture according to first John that if we sin, what? You confess it, and He is what faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So this idea that you know He He died for us, we accept Him. No need to confess. It's not just about what happens to you eternally. It's what happens on this planet as a result of sin. Now, what happens is when you sin as a Christian, it causes damage to your soul, not just to your eternity. So what happens is, and this is going to be a revelation for some, why are some people born again and seemingly have their natural lives together, maybe even professionally, but emotionally they continue to be a wreck? It's because they have damage in their emotions because of sin. We like to say and believe that I'm damaged because of what other people have done. Write this down. 99.99% of the damage to your mind, your will, your emotions, in other words, your soul, say it my soul, is made up of my mind, my will, my emotions. 99% of the damage to your mind, will, and emotions is not because of what other people have done. It's what I've done. That's right. It's what you've done. It's what you have done. Because sin, Wars against your soul, and there's no such thing as war without destruction and damage. We know it affects our body. The Bible tells us that in the day that you eat it, you know, God told Adam, you will what? You will die. Spirit, soul, and body. Up to that point in time, there was no termination point for man's life. But it's not just the physical life. It's the spiritual life. It's separation from God. To understand classical redemption, you have to understand what happens with the curse. The curse includes spiritual death. Say spiritual death. death. Say sickness and disease. disease. Poverty and lack. That's all part of the curse. Aren't you glad He redeemed it from the curse? For those that embrace the Lord, now you can have spiritual life. You can have health and healing. He intends to keep you on this planet so you can fulfill your purpose. And then he takes you from a place of lack, having nothing to supply. All of that was clear in the garden. All of that was compromised because of sin. Aren't you glad that grace came? The Bible tells us that the law came from Moses, but grace and truth, John 1, came from the Lord. Aren't you glad grace and truth are here? Shout it out. Grace and truth are here now. So when you sin, you cause damage. Have you ever met a believer and said they got some brain damage? They're not far from the truth. When they sin, they cause what? Brain damage. Damage to the mind. You can't think like God wants you to think because of sin. You can't process your emotions like you're supposed to because of sin. What I mean by that? Emotions are not given to you to run your life. No. Have you ever heard that in this church? Yeah. Couple times. <laughs> Say it with me. My emotions are not given to me to run my life, but to experience life. The dumbest thing we can do is make decisions based on how we feel. 99.99% of the time, they're going to be wrong. Decisions are going to be poor, and you wonder how you got there because you let your emotions run your life. It's possible to feel things very deeply. Yeah. God gave you the emotions, so never let somebody tell you that somehow it's wrong to feel. It's not wrong to feel, it's wrong to make decisions based on your feeling. In the midst of your hurt and pain, Jesus is still Lord. Amen. Say, so He is Lord. Amen. So there's damage to your mind, there's damage to your emotions, there's damage to your will. As a pastor through the years, I've met some folks that, boy they find it very, very difficult to make any kind of a sound decision in their life. There's always, they go from bad to worse. And then they react to the bad, and they it gets even worse. What's wrong with those people? Why are they so flaky? Why do they run their lives by whatever they feel in terms of, it's what I call the itch. They get an itch to go here and an itch to go there. I tell you, it, it's something to be consistent in your life, in your call to know why you're here and stick to it. Yeah. Yep. Some people have the ping pong ball in the morning. They're just everywhere. Why is that? It's because they have allowed sin to damage. Of course, their will function, and they don't understand how to make godly decisions. Well, all that's a function of sin. But when grace is operating in your life, you no longer have the problem of just having brain damage. You have what? You have healing in your mental faculties. Years ago, people got all upset because, you know, a lot of us were teaching that God can heal your emotions. Did God create your emotions? Did sin damage your emotions? Then God can what? Heal anything He created, including your emotions. I don't know about you, but I'm needing some healing from time to time. See, why do people need to be healed from emotions? People. (laughs) As long as you live among people, you are going to be emotionally affected. So you can stay in a place of compromise and hurt and, and wound or you can let the Lord heal you. Are you here tonight? Yes. You can continue to make bad decisions or you can let the Lord do what? Heal that and cause you to start making wise decisions based on His Word. So say it with me. Say it with me. Sin, Sin. damaged yeah. me spiritually, physically, physically. Mentally, mentally, emotionally, and in my will. But... By the blood of Jesus. And that's yes. a great big bud, isn't it, tonight? Grace yes. is healing you spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and in your will. Yes, sin has abounded, but guess what? Grace abounds all the more. Write this sound. Grace is the supernatural favor of God bestowed upon his people based on the blood that was shed for you and for me. The blood. There is nothing so broken by sin that grace, because the blood, can't fix. So only you know tonight what is in the greatest need of fixing in your life. Physically, mentally, emotionally, in your will. I can't say that. I can go by what I know about you and whenever the Lord reveals something to me. I know mean, when the pastor reveals something about somebody in that flock, it's not to harm them, but it's to help them. When the Holy Spirit exposes stuff to us, it's to help people. Yes. Let me say that again. When the Holy Spirit exposes stuff to us, it's to help people, That's right. Amen. not to hurt them. That's right. We are not exposers of people. Hallelujah. We are healers of people, and we should never forget that. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for the grace of God. So we began last week talking about what the grace of God actually does. That power that is his grace. And grace certainly deals with and stops sin, but grace also deals with and neutralizes the effects of sin and the curse. Listen to this verse again. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Do we have reason to praise him tonight? Yes. Well, go ahead and praise Him right now. You don't have to have an invitation. Praise Him. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Despite the damage to the mind, the will, and the emotions, my soul is going to what? Praise Him. I'm going to take my focus off of all of that and operate in faith and grace and praise Him. Praise Him, O oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And it starts with He heals what He forgives. All of your sins. How many? All. And He heals all of your diseases. The so grace deals with sin, and it results with it deals with the results of sin. In other words, what sin did, and that nature, and all the damage it caused. You know, I don't really like people criticizing the nation that I was born in and that I love. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why: we're the only nation in the history of mankind that actually restores what it damages. It's true. Started back with the Lincoln doctrine of not, you know, vilifying the South and destroying the South, but rebuilding the South. Yeah. People have no idea the money it took to rebuild the nation that was torn apart by a civil war. We do that. It is true that together with England, we decimated European cities in the war, German cities in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, one beautiful church in Hamburg, our Solomon Eyes, was bombed, then rebuilt, bombed, then rebuilt, bombed, then rebuilt, and finally this just left it as it is. You can go over today and see the shell of that church and the people left it there as a memorial of what war actually does. No more seats or pews, no more altar, just this shell of a church of what was because of war. In the nation of Japan, billions were spent by this horrible nation to what? To rebuild it. Yes. yes. When we conquer somebody, we catch and release We're the worst fishermen and the worst colonial nation in the history of colonial nations because we repair and we release. (laughs) Say, what about Puerto Rico? That's a whole other story. Tonight I don't have time for that. (laughs) But that's who we are. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? In other words, there are people who are restoration minded and that's the way you and I need to be. That's at the heart of the values of this nation. It is also at the heart of a believer who's right with God. Said, I'm restoration-minded. All my sins. Amen. All my diseases. In other words, grace deals with the sin, but it also deals with the damage that it caused. Now, let's talk about these individually. First of all, grace deals with sin. We know there is forgiveness. I'm glad there's forgiveness? Raise your hand if you've ever done some dumb things. How I many done some dumb things since you've been a Christian? Much a heathen tonight. Let's have an altar call. Praise the Lord. Let's get the guitar back up here. Amen. Said, I'm am so thankful for the grace of God. We've learned that grace deals with the consequences, the control, and the consciousness of sin. The consequences of eternity, and I don't care what people tell you out there, there's a reason why we should be motivated in these last days because hell is real. Um, one author said that Jesus speaks about hell ten times more than He speaks about heaven. And yet if you ask the average Christian or preacher, is there a heaven? Oh, they say, dear God, yes. But the new intellectuals that are moving into the church across of America have decided there is no hell. That was a creation of the later church to put fear into people so they would participate and cooperate. No, the doctrine of hell comes from the mouth of Jesus. Yes, and don't let anybody tell you any indifference. That's as a dangerous and as a damnable teaching that slipped into the church in the last days to say there is no hell. There is. Say there's a hell to shine and a heaven again. So there's consequences. It's, it's the grace that's dealt with, eternal ones, but it also deals with consequences in this life. You say, no, everybody's going to pay for their sin in this life. You, you haven't even begun to pay for your sin in this life. The grace has covered you so significantly, you have no idea what could have happened had grace not intervened in your life. We are all benefactors of grace for eternity, but also grace in this life. It deals with the control of sin. Because of grace, you don't have to sin anymore. It is erroneous to believe that you have to sin a little bit each day. No. You no longer are under control. The Bible tells us let not sin what? Master or control. Run your mortal body. That's not how we function anymore. We've been delivered from the control. Say, yay. yay. I, am I am free from the control of sin. Well, I'm glad you said yay because the second part of that principle is not so fun. It means that if you do sin, it's because you chose to. Before you were born again, the force of sin and the curse was pushing you every single day, prodding you, enticing you, empowering you to sin. You couldn't help but sin because that was the nature. That was the function. That's what you were under. That's the control you were under. But now because you've been given the gift of righteousness, this force of righteousness is pushing you not to sin, but pushing you to be holy and righteous. And so now you have to overcome that influence and with your will choose to violate some principle of God's Word. Grace deals with the consequences and the control. It, of course, helps you to understand that you can, according to what Titus said, the grace of God teaches us, say teaches us, to say no to sin. Every person in this room that's born again has the power to say no to sin. Raise your hand if you're born again. This is the Overcomers Club. Usually everybody that wanders in here on a Wednesday night is saved. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for that? I'm telling you what, just this number of saved people right now in this town and county can turn this county upside down. Everybody say, thank God, I'm born again. again. So you have, right now, the authority and the power to say no to sin. Amen. Um, Sunday morning, we began to get into the, the, the principles of, you know, using you know, the authority of your mouth. I mean, you know, there's life and death and the power of the tongue. And one of the things that you can do with that tongue is, is shoot down or beat temptation every single time. Yes. Now watch this. Does anybody remember and recall scripture where the Bible says that with that temptation, God will give you a means yes. of escape? escape? Yes. What is that means of escape? Well, according to the example of Jesus in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, that particular mechanism to escape is the word of God coming out of your mouth. So you say no to ungodliness, and you release what God says about that. When uh, somebody tries to seduce you, and you're married, you say, no, thou shalt not commit adultery. But we try to war with temptation through just the thought life natural mechanisms, but when you say no and release the word out of your mouth, you have released a supernatural mechanism to shut down that temptation. What does God provide? A means of escape. He provides his word. Word in your heart coming out of your mouth. Now, how many have you ever experienced the, the time when you were talking to somebody and out of nowhere there came a scripture up out of your spirit yeah. that blessed them, that helped them, that encouraged them? That's because you deposited that word on the inside of them. So grace deals, of course, with sin. It deals with the consequences. It deals with the control. And if you haven't been taught this you don't understand this, it also deals with the consciousness of sin. Over time, you should feel not more guilt about your sin if you've accepted Christ. You should have guilt diminishing in your life if you have repented and confessed of that. You don't realize this because you don't realize all the ways God has protected you from your consequences and even the control. But I'll tell you, this is the key one. Most of us are not aware how much He has reduced the consciousness of our error and sin. It's supernatural. If you and I went to bed tonight conscious of everything we've done wrong, everything we've said wrong, every bad decision out of His will, we would get no sleep. In fact, save us a room over at Hopkinsville over there at the mental institution because that's where we would be. If we carried that. You want to appreciate the Lord tonight more than you ever have? He carried the consciousness of all your sin. Collectively. All the consequences of your sin. All the control. You understand what I'm saying? He was tempted at every point, yet without sin. And yet he bore all of that on his body for you and for me. All the sickness that ever was, ever will be. All the disease that ever was, ever will be. All the sin that ever was or ever will be, He took that on. In that moment, can you imagine? Could you imagine not going to bed with the consciousness of all the sin you've ever committed, but hanging on a cross with all the consciousness of all the sin that everyone has ever committed? Well, He has a mighty Savior, don't we? Everybody say, I thank God for Jesus. Everyone say, I thank God for Jesus, So what does the grace of God do? It deals with the consciousness, the consequences, and the control of sin. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but you are under grace. Law, no power to deal with the consciousness or consequences or control of sin. But under grace, there's power to deal with all three of those things. I think you should give the Lord a hand clap because that's the most important thing of all, that grace deals with the sin issue. If I say thank God. It also deals with disease. As a consequence of sin, um, God's not the one that's doing this. It's a consequence of sin, an activity of the evil one. But what he does with grace is he brings healing from all manner of sickness and diseases known and unknown. He says this in Jeremiah 30 verse 17, for I will restore health to you and I will heal your wounds, says the Lord, because they have called you an outcast, saying, this is Zion whom no one seeks after and for whom no one cares. I could tell you that people are left behind and forgotten, but God doesn't forget his people. And even the fact that we all got into this by our own free volition, as the people of Israel did, He is still a healer. He still sends forth His Word, and He heals us. He said, I am the God that healeth thee. He bore our sicknesses and carried our infirmities, and by His stripes we were healed. Matthew 3 says, Jesus went around preaching and teaching and healing. Come on, shout that out. Preaching Preaching and teaching and 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 healing. healing. That is an assignment for us, but it's also showing you the heart of God. He's still a healer. Whatever's going on in your body, believe God to restore you. Amen. Why should He restore me? Because you got a job to do. Yeah. Say, so who am I? Who are you? Let me explain who you are. You, first of all, are among the born again in this world. That makes you a minority. You're a spirit-filled evangelical Christian which makes you even more a minority. You're a word-believing, tongue-talking believer which makes you even more of a minority. So you can see that if the devil takes out a lot of people with all of those spiritual credentials, it is a damage to this world. Amen. You matter. Yes. Turn to three people and tell them right now, you matter to God. Amen. Come on, tell them. you matter to God. <laughs> and Let me help you out here. Um, you having a physical affliction does not diminish God's ability, number one, to heal you. Or for God to use you to get somebody else healed. That's right. Amen. Amen. Smith Wigglesworth would raise somebody from the dead. Then walk out the meeting room doubled over in pain. You explain that? Well, you're going to have to ask Jesus about that. All I can tell you is the Lord sustained that man through a lot of stuff physically, but he never thought to himself, as the devil tries to tell some of you, I'm not qualified to lay hands on the sick and see him recover because I got something going on in my own body. That's like saying, you know what? I sinned this year, so I'm disqualified from telling somebody about forgiveness. No. No. But that's how the devil works. He's a healer, but he also desires to use you. He said, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall shall recover. What's that? That's the Word of God. That tells you what God's will will is about this because He tells you very plainly that His Word and His will are one. Amen? Is it impossible? My sister was just telling me what two weeks ago she came here and they diagnosed her with Alzheimer's and they're going to put her on a new trial drug. Am I correct about this? Doctor comes back and says, I'm sorry, you don't qualify for that trial. We can't find any evidence of this in your life. God has restored your sister's mental capacities. Is that possible? He created the brain. And he can fix it. Now, some of y'all might have some other kinds of brain damage there that he can fix too. Is he the same? Yes, he is. Now, what you do is you go brag on Jesus everywhere you can. And I know you do. Amen. Say so he's a healer. That's what grace does. Hallelujah. Number three, grace deals with bondage in terms of deliverance, all kinds of addictions, all kinds of chains, all kinds of limitations, all kinds of habits. So if the sun sets you free, free indeed. you shall be what? Free indeed. Free indeed. Um, no Christian need live under any bondage. There is grace for that. One of the ways you can pray, not just in terms of grace, God, for the sin, and grace, Lord, for my physical healing, grace for something that has you in bondage or has you in chains or has some limitation in your life. Cry out and say, Lord, I'm just pleading your blood. I'm asking you right now for that grace, that gift that brings deliverance in my life. You say, can a Christian be saved, born again in some kind of a bondage? Absolutely. Just like a Christian can be saved. And what have some kind of physical affliction going on? Yeah. Are you here tonight? Yeah. If the Christian's not careful. You'll put things like mental illness in a special box, and you'll put things like addiction in a special box. Where so those people can't possibly be Christians. I beg to differ with you. That's right. What they should be doing, and not trying to fall into the you know the camp of condemnation. What they should be doing is applying that same grace that got them saved. to get them free. Say, yes. so I'm free in Jesus' name. That would apply to any kind of habit. That would apply to things like tobacco habits. That would apply, you know, to habits that, uh, you know, people don't know about some kind of addiction. Uh, what's happened in the past 20 years is, uh, is a serious addiction to opioids, uh, due to over prescribing and people being, you know, sensitive to particular drugs and being predisposed towards that kind of a stuff. It's very, very real. But guess what? God's bigger than that. I say God's bigger than that. I've had friends who had had doctors in five, six counties, and you know, before the days in Kentucky in the Casper system where they can actually track the doctors you're talking to, what's being prescribed. Back then, they didn't know. You go over here and get a drug. Go over here and get a drug. Go over here. And get, I'm talking about taking over somebody's life, decades, and instead of letting them do that. Apply the same grace. You know how to do it because that's how you got saved. The same grace you got saved with is the same grace that'll get you delivered. He doesn't hate you because you have some kind of a bond he loves you wants you're free. I mean, who is motivated to keep you bound? The, devil. the enemy. And I didn't even begin to talk about the shame and the condemnation that goes with being addicted. Of course, the devil wants to keep you bound up. But say, I'm free in Jesus' name. I'm free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Grace deals also, number four, with destruction. He is a master at restoration. I heard Gloria preached on this scripture many, many years ago. It was at a motorcycle rally in, in Fort Worth. She quoted this from Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. I want you to shout that out. The Lord. The Lord. Come on, everybody. My Lord, My Lord. is gracious, gracious and compassionate, and compassion. slow to anger slow. and rich in love. Rich the Lord love. is good to all. He has compassion. And all he has made. made. And that compassion and graciousness, you know, causes him to be predisposed, is what this scripture means, to show you favor. Say that we predisposed Predisposed. to show you favor, which means that is his nature and his character. God doesn't get up on the wrong side of the bed. Number one, the Bible says he doesn't sleep more slumber. But this idea that, oh, he's really uptight with me today. You know, I'm not going to see his favor. No, he's predisposed to show you favor, to show you grace, unless you block that somehow. Any given day, all he wants to do is show you more of his grace. How many will allow him to do that? Everybody say greater grace. Say more grace grace in my life. And there are a lot of ways that you can block that, but just understand that God's not mad at you. where people get the idea? I don't know, teaching, preaching, whatever the case may be, you know, old wives tales and doctrine from grandma and grandpa and them, but he's not mad at you. Any wrath he had is satisfied when Jesus, his son, took on everything for you. Amen? Because he did that, that's why you know, the penalty of rejecting him is severe. But you haven't rejected him. Raise your hand if you're glad you've accepted him and you love Him and walk with Him. Now understand this. Because of that dimension, He's predisposed. The Bible says He's good to all people who don't deserve it, people who aren't serving Him. That's what we call His sheer mercy. His grace is a function of the children's bread. You remember the story when Jesus is approached by this woman, whose daughter, of course, was completely bound up. And Jesus says, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Now, how many you know the American Christians today would get so offended at that? Yeah. Yes. They'd be on a blog by morning. You could know go the preacher calling me a dog. Can you believe that? But look, whatever was going on there, he was actually giving her a chance mm-hmm. to use her faith. And what did she say? Oh. <laughs> I can't believe you would say that. Come to you for healing. Yay, Lord. But even the little dogs do what? eat the crumbs that fall from the table. The first thing that response indicates is that she's not offended. The second thing that response indicated is that she believes that even the smallest amount of God's power would restore her daughter. And you know what the Lord said? Because, one translation, because of your reply, Because of your statement, because of your words, your daughter is what? Completely bound, but by the grace of God restored. Amen. Now, we can't possibly think that God loved that woman any more or less than he loves you. That's That's right. Is the grace still available? Yes. Is the grace diminished in power? No. No. But watch the example here. Be careful getting offended. Mm -hmm. It'll absolutely block the grace of God in your life. Take it with me. He's predisposed predisposed to show show me favor. favor. Say that again and mean it with all your heart. God God is predisposed 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 to show me favor. Well, why would he show you favor? That's awful selfish. It's not your idea, first of all, it's his idea. And second of all, that's what grace does. By definition, is a bestowal favor upon the people that He has redeemed. It pays to be born again. Smile at somebody and say, it's a good thing to be born again. And we should want to get all the people we can born again so they can enjoy a God who's predisposed to show them favors. The best way I ever heard this described is He literally stoops down to lift us up, think about that. This mighty God stoops down. He knows where you are, to lift you up. Not ignoring you. Not saying, when you fell because of your own ignorance and stupidity. You got addicted because you know your own stupidity. I'm just going to let you down." No, He's a great God of deliverance. Grace deals with sin and deals with what sickness and disease. Amen. It deals with all kinds of bondages and it deals with destruction. It takes you from destruction to restoration. Devastation to restoration. You say, well, I'm kind of in the middle of that right now. Uh, how long is it going to take? You stand and believe God no matter how long it takes. That's right. That's right. What if, what if I just die one day and never haven't received the full restoration of God? Yes, you did. (laughs) You're lying. You did receive your restoration. Yes, <laughs> you're more restored at that moment yeah. than you ever were on this planet. Amen. Amen. Glory, Glory to God. Thought this so was a couple of. I saw Ben Shapiro, and he was actually listening to a Jewish comedian, and the comedian said uh, he went to his rabbi. This man went to his rabbi and said, "You will never believe what happened to me." My son left home and became a Christian. And the rabbi said, shh, sh, sh. He said, you won't believe what happened to me. My son left home and became a Christian. Well, rabbi, what are we going to do? We're going to go talk to God. Let's talk to God. Well, what did he say? God said, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. <laughs> Aren't you glad he left heaven (laughs) and became the Christ for the Christian? Glory to God. Amen. Say it boldly. Grace Grace deals 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 with sin. sin. Grace Grace deals deals with sickness. sickness. Grace Grace deals 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 with bondage. bondage. Grace Grace deals 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 with destruction. Number five tonight. Um, and the older you get, the more you'll relate to this. Grace deals with aging. (laughs) And you don't have to wait until things begin to snap, crack, and pop to apply this to your life. It's a lot easier to build a house than you're not in the storm. So if you're younger and you're wise, be confessing the healing and restoring power of God and not just one day face things that may be challenging. In Psalm 92, the scripture says in verse 14 and 15, they will still bear fruit in old age. Yep. They'll stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. So why should be fresh and green in old age? Because there's something to proclaim. There's still something for you and for me to do. Psalm 103 tells us that God puts what? Good things in our mouths so that our what? Our youth is renewed. Now that can be natural, but it's also spiritual. It's putting the word of God in your mouth. It's taking the word of God like pills, gospels, amen, and feeding on your the word of God constantly, the word of restoration in your life. Again, don't wait until there's a problem to start confessing healing and restoration in your life. Amen. amen. Glory to God. Uh, I think it's interesting we find out that, uh, you know, Moses uh, lived to be how long, church? And what does the Bible say about his ability, his eyesight, and his function? He wasn't going out broken down. Amen? His departure, you know, had nothing to do with the incapacitation of his body. Does that make sense? What does Isaiah 40, 31 tell us to do? We feel like we're somehow losing out. Time is marching on. You wait upon the Lord and He will what? Renew your strength. Does it not say that young men what will be at times famished and weak and worn out and tired? So age has nothing to do with it. You know, I've met people that uh, were 15 years old but were 80 in their mind. And I've met some 80 year olds that were 15, 10 in their mind. Like my mom, for example. <laughs> you do not have to have an old mentality. No. I heard a speaker say one time, you know, your problem is, you people that believe God, you faith people, the problem is you just haven't lived long enough. My reply is maybe we should be in the Word more yes. long enough yes. to find out that He renews our strength. Well, I'm going to have to die sooner or later. Yeah, it's a point of a man die once and then the judgment unless you're raptured. Pastor, you still believe in a rapture? Oh, I do. Let me help you out here. I get tickled when I hear people get on YouTube or, you know, SpewTube or Fakebook, to Facebook, whatever the case may be. There is no rapture. It's an invention of man in the 1800s. Let me help you out here, okay? Can I have your attention, please? Yes. Man receiving a revelation does not mean that's a creation of a doctrine by man in that season or that year. Paul is the one that revealed the doctrine of the rapture, the catching away of the church. So no, friend, it is not a device of man in 1800. Just like that justification by faith is not the creation of Luther in his day. You know, everyone sitting here today has accepted that revelation. That's how you got saved. We owe that revelation to God, revealed by the Holy Spirit to man through Paul's writings by revelation. He gave it to Martin Luther, but that's not a doctrine that he created. It was a revelation he received in his day. That's the difference. And is God still giving him revelation? Yeah, it's in the scripture. It's just you and I don't see everything. Same thing with the end times. There's a lot of things we don't see. Amen. And I think that uh, we've had a lot of good men and women go on to be with the Lord. A lot of generals just in the past 10 years. And we need some of y'all to hang around. Amen. 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 Everybody say, yes, sir, right away, sir. Yes, sir, right away, sir. Tell the Lord that uh, you are His to command. That's right. I know, General. You have no idea how far He'll promote you if you'll just be faithful. Say, with long life, I will satisfy thee and then show you my salvation. You should believe for length of days and strength of days. Say, length of days and strength of days. You know, nobody has impacted my life more than listening to Governor and Senator Ascroft who was also the Attorney General of this country when he came to Savannah, Georgia to speak. And he spoke about God's redemptive mission. He said, every person needs to be involved in his redemptive mission that calls himself a Christian. But here's the problem. Once you die, your involvement in that mission's over. You want to stay here as long as you can so you can be part of what he came to do in people's lives. And I still believe it, and I say it, and I prophesy it, the prodigals are coming home. Amen. Yes. Once you all be excited when your jaw drops and you see some of the people that God saves in these last days. Amen. Your family outside, your family outside our area around the world. Amen. From the honorous politicians the to the wildest entertainers. Amen. Yes, amen. Now, we should have the same level of faith for the neutralizing of disease, bondage, destruction, and, and aging that we do for the forgiveness of sins. As we see here tonight, most likely our personal revelation of grace for sin is higher than it is for healing and deliverance of bondage. Amen. And long life. Now, what we need to do is elevate our revelation of this by making sure that we, you know, activate that grace, not just for forgiveness of sins. Thank God you're forgiven. I said, thank God you're forgiven. Thank God you have appropriated God's grace for your forgiveness so you would be done. But there's more that he wants to do with that grace than have you walk around and forgiven. Amen. The same grace that fixes the sin also fixes the disease, the bondage, the destruction, and the aging. And, uh, you know, I can't say that I'm a Toby Keith fan. A lot of those guys are entertainers, and some of y'all just, just love that stuff, you know. Be careful because a lot of that stuff is not exactly godly or biblical his case, uh, he was a born-again man, got stomach cancer, and he died the other day. And in one of his last interviews, he talked about playing golf with uh, Clint Eastwood. And Clint was 88 years old at the time, and they shared a golf cart at a charity golf event. And he asked him, he goes, you know, for your birthday, what are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going to direct a movie. And at that time, he was directing a movie called The Mule about a man who was a drug runner in his old days because he lost his job with his money and everything. I don't know what it is. I haven't seen it. But here he is at 88 years old, getting ready to go direct a movie. And Toby Keith said, how do you stay so energized and so focused and and involved out there in life? He said these words to him, I don't let the old man in. And he seized upon that, wrote a song, sent it to Eastwood, and Eastwood put it in the credit, the closing credits of the movie, The Mule. It is one of the last things. I like, think it may be the last song he sang before he he died. And what a powerful word for all of us! Don't let the old man in. all the ways that that kind of a father mentality would try to enter in, shut it down. <laughs> I just just followed up and read that he's ninety three. And he is directing and producing a movie right now called Juror Number Two. 93 years old. We got Christians that are 63. I'm so old. I'm so old. 93 and 63. That's 30 more years. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the guy's still not starring in movies when he's 110. Look at somebody and tell them, don't let the old man man. in. Get up in the morning and say, no, by his stripes I am healed. I'm renewed in his presence because I have hope in God. With long life, he'll satisfy me. Now, if you can be that motivated about motion picture production, bless his heart, how much more should we be motivated about God's redemptive mission in these last times? It's somebody else that needs to be saved. Somebody else that needs to be healed. Somebody else that needs to be delivered. And I said it out of my spirit, and I believe it's true. You're going to be shaking somebody's hand, and the power of God is going to come out of you yes. into their body, yes. into their life. They're not going to understand, but you are. Yes. Amen. That's the assignment. Yes. You're going to casually put your arm around somebody who is wounded or hurt, and the power of God is going to surge into their body, producing the results God is looking for by His grace. Amen. Amen. Yes. yes. You know, Private Dawes and Hacksaw Ridge, the story of a man who won the Medal of Honor uh, as a conscientious objector who would not take a gun into battle. I can't remember the exact number. It was 70-something men he pulled off that ridge that were wounded with his own strength. He's just a tiny guy. And I love the part of the movie where he's absolutely exhausted, pulling on a rope, lowering soldiers down bitter. he goes back and he prays, "Lord, one more, give me one more. Not one more movie, not one more direction, not one more shoot. How about one more life that you can be involved in changing? Come on, say, Lord, Lord give me, give me one, more. one more. They're out there. This was a holy town. Filled with born-again people. It is filled with religious people. That's true. That is true. The Bible belt snapped a long time ago. The buckle tarnished a long time ago. You were in a mission field every single day. Right here in Murray. Amen. And if they're saved, they're walking around destitute, amen, destroyed in their bodies, their mindset, relationships, being you know, everything, there's always some part of redemption and grace they need. Amen. As far as y'all are concerned, you're never going to say again joke about how old you are. No. Well, I just had an old timer moment. No, you didn't. You have the mind of Christ. Start confess the mind of Christ. That's you could have right. said the word amen. of God out of your mouth like that's you right. said how old you are. That's right. Every day I might get up or something else to discover that's broken. Now, how about calling it healed? Speak over your mind. Speak over your organs. Amen. Speak over your joints. Speak over your life. Why? One more, Lord. The day you breathe your last breath, unless you're here on that day, all the rapture is is instantaneous death in translation. It's still appointed unto man to die once. Look at somebody's smile. The rapture is death. And in the twinkle of an eye... Instant yes. resurrection! Yes. The what a blessed group that will be! Amen. 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 Dead in Christ rise first, but boom in the twinkling of an eye. <laughs> I don't want to be in church that next Sunday. Oh, no. okay. I'm pretty sure you don't want to be in church that next Sunday either. Oh, no. Amen. <laughs> Tell somebody I'm going up in the first load. Amen. But the day you breathe your last breath is your last opportunity to participate in the redemptive mission of God. And we have, you know, we have the truth. Amen. And we're not all that, but God has blessed us in this generation with more revelation than the apostles had. Amen. More revelation than the church in the 1500s had. More revelation than they had in the 1990s. God is still pouring out and revealing things to His people. Who much is given? Much is required. Amen. So look at somebody mind say, don't let the old man in. Come on, say it again. Don't let that old man in. Shout it out. Grace for sin. Grace for healing. Grace for deliverance. Grace for aging. Grace for restoration. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a praise offering and thank him for that. We bless you, Lord.